You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Listen, I'm not expecting a big crowd in here this morning. I know last night was was New Year's Eve. Everyone was partaking in the uh, the festivities. I know we did here. Man, I woke up about an hour late. So uh, hopefully we can put you together a decent show this morning. Hope you all are having an awesome Victory Monday. I know the chat's already been uh, alive in here. And just want to kind of recap the Vikings game. Uh, talk about what we saw, right? What happened? Why did it happen at an early stage? We're going to break down the tape a little later in the week. Um, as a matter of fact, I should have time today to go ahead and get started on that. So hopefully we can bring that to you as early as tomorrow. Um, but with that being said, big win over the Vikings last night. We kind of reacted in real time last night with uh, Emilio joining me here on the show. And um, just excited about this team and where they're going. You know, uh, it's been an up and down season. We've talked about it all year long. Uh, we've tried to – we being me, I don't want to put words in anyone else's mouth, but um, I've been trying to defend, you know, Matt LaFleur throughout the year as much as I could because I kind of felt like he got a bad shake having this really young football team going into the season. And it's like, okay, are we, are we getting a true assessment of what he can do with a quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers? And luckily we were able to, you know, get that information by the end of the season. And, and Jordan Love, I think now the number is in the last seven games, I believe is 16 touchdowns, one interception. Like I don't want to overreact here, but (laughs) if you break those numbers down, you guys remember the MVP season where Aaron Rodgers, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was an MVP season. Surely it was where he only had four interceptions. Think about if you take that seven, right? Those seven games and you say, okay, if you did that over a span of 14 games, right? Where's that going to put you at? I mean, you're right there in those numbers. As a matter of fact, the touchdown to interception ratio is actually better than Aaron's that year. And again, we don't want to overreact. And and I know many of the gatekeepers will say you're not allowed to compare Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. And and I I kind of understand that angle a bit. But at the same time, what, what the hell are we doing watching football if we can't compare our current players to the great ones and go, okay, where where are there some similarities? I just feel like we need to put the fun back in football. And we tried to do that on this show. We tried not to be doom and gloom. We tried to be uh, reasonable about our opinions. And as the year winds down, you kind of go back and you and you you go over your notes. Every show that we do, we take notes, right? I do. I take notes on myself. If I get feedback from a listener, I'll write those down. 
Um, and I try to adjust the show as we go to make sure it's it's kind of tuned around what you guys and gals want. Um, looking back on this year, there's not a whole lot of regret. This was a fun season, and I think we did a good job setting the stage to make it a fun season, even the losses. Even the losses, we were coming out going, okay, now we know. Now we have an answer to that question, right, whether it's positive or negative. Um, and that's the whole goal of this season, having the youngest team in the league. So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm just – I'm really optimistic, very, very excited uh, about the season that we've got uh, coming up next year already. But we're we're about to enter another season. As a matter of fact, we've been in that season for for quite some time. You know, like Tim continues to point out, and and shout out to Tim. Hope he's getting better. I know got a little bug running through the house there. I know Emilio was fighting something last week, um, but yeah, Tim. Hope you're feeling better, buddy. You get get well soon, and uh, no rush back, man. We we'd love to have you back when you're when you're feeling better, but. Um, no rush there, but it's just, as, as we pointed out, like I said, we've got to take a step back and go, all right, what, what are we trying to accomplish as a fan base? Some people hear that and they think, oh, that's silly. No, it's not silly. You let me tell you who thinks that's silly. The people who are constantly bickering, constantly arguing, constantly calling for people's jobs, constantly trying to pass the blame on someone else. Constantly trying to have a, a back door to go, okay, when things go bad, I'm going to go back and comment on this tweet because he said he thought this was good. Just because someone thinks something doesn't mean it's accurate. We're all sharing our opi- opinions as fans. So I just, I want to see us as a fan base, not a fan, not a fan of, <clears throat> not a fan of PTA or Good Morning Lambo, but our fan base that we follow this game along together. I want us to be the most, the most, well-educated from a football IQ standpoint, fan base in all of Packers fans, right? And I want us to be the most reasonable fans too. I want us to be the most inviting fans. Let's let's just go the opposite route from that toxicity. You're probably going, Clayton, why are you saying all this? Because it's a new year, man. You got a chance. You may look back on some of your tweets last year and go, man, I was toxic. Well, I really didn't enjoy this run. I didn't enjoy the downs, the, you know, the, the low side of these – so I could really enjoy the high points. That's okay, man. It's a new year. Cross it off. Hey, you're free to go delete those tweets. It cracks me up. People go, oh, he deleted the tweet. So? That means he regrets tweeting that. What's wrong with that? <laughs> so like, it's okay to, to grow and change and learn as you go on, right? So, uh, I don't know. That's just kind of what's what's on my mind this morning. And uh, got a lot of stuff in the chat. I, I apologize for the, uh, the awkward, silent moments. But when you don't have someone else in here to bridge the gap, um, it gets a little bit awkward. You guys are probably going, I remember when you first started. Yeah, well, it'll probably feel a little bit like that today. So just keep that in mind as we move forward here on this show. But I, I know I'm seeing all kinds of really cool stuff. Before I get to the chat, let me just get this out of the way because I'm tired of doing it right in the middle of a good conversation where you guys are spilling knowledge in the chat. just want to say the show is sponsored <clears throat> by BetUS. They are the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. If you guys want to support the stream, there's a link in the description of this video you can click. That'll send you directly to BetUS. And by using that link to register as a customer for free, doesn't cost a dime, that will actually put us in better standing with BetUS. We appreciate them jumping on board with us. I do want to mention this. We talked uh, kind of all week. We watched the line. The line opened up, I think it was at two and a half at one point. Then it went to two. Then it went to one and a half. And I think it ended last night. I know on BetUS, they actually had it at a one point. And you guys heard me last night. I don't give betting advice on this show, but I will try to kind of give you my opinion. I said last night, man, I feel good about that plus one. I don't know. I just feel good about going into this game <clears throat> with everything that kind of transpired with Jair Alexander and shaking up that locker room a bit. 
And you guys know we were real nervous about Jair and Stokes getting healthy because the defense played better without them early in the year. And that's not to suggest that they're bad football players. It, it is to suggest that this coaching staff and, and Joe Barry needs to be res- held responsible for it. And so does Matt LaFleur, by the way, which I thought it was cool that Paul Brettel kind of leaned into that a little bit when we spoke on Thursday. Um, they give these quote unquote superstars a little too much freedom, you know? You're giving Jair the freedom to line up where he wants to line up. You're giving even Carrington Valentine, to the best of my knowledge, you're giving them kind of the freedom to line up where they want to line up. The issue that I have is when you see Jair Alexander choosing a superstar cornerback, choosing if the coaching staff is truly giving them the opportunity to line up where they want to line up, why are you choosing 10 yards off the ball there, big guy? Like that doesn't make any sense. And this isn't to roast or disrespect Jair Alexander, but it's no – it's no big surprise to us, and some guys are going, I didn't hear you say that, Clayton. Go back and watch the show. You'll, you'll hear us say multiple times about three, four weeks ago when Jair, when there was rumors of Jair coming back and as Stokes was getting healthier, we played a clip from Mark Towser who felt the same exact way because I said it the show before. I heard T- Mark Towser say it on uh, Wildey and Tausch, and I went, okay, I'm going to play that clip just to show a former NFL player has kind of got the same, the same worries here because Mark Towser, Green Bay Packer Hall of Fame, right? Hall of Famer, just an absolute awesome guy. He is a Packer fan through and through. He's not just a media member, right? He would probably consider himself more of a Packer fan than a media member, but does an excellent job on Wilde and Tausch. He said the same thing. He's like, are we a little concerned about, you know, this defense has been playing well, and then all of a sudden when these guys come back, is that going to kind of shake things up? Same thing with Savage, right? You know, you're a little bit worried about that too. Um, the safety position to me isn't as prevalent because when you're playing – when you're trying to mix in a lot of different defenses when it comes to zone, man, whatever you're running, um, those boundary corners, typically that's the first answer to the equation, especially when you like to play a little more snug in the slot like we do with Keyshawn. So if you come to the line of scrimmage and they're showing blitz and you know, okay, by you know, from, from recent past, they don't sugar much. When they show blitz, they're bringing a blitz. It's just a matter of finding, picking out the fire zone and then finding the answer to the equation. And you've got corners that won't, a corner that won't, line up closer to the wide receiver, right? That's a problem. That gives the quarterback a quick solution to the question. And that I think that's where the issues lied all year. You know, we said it over and over and over on Chalk Talk, guys, and, and I got roasted for it. And, look, I'm okay with that. People, people have the right to their own opinion. When we turn on the tape all year long with this defense, all we constantly seen – was blown coverage, blown coverage, missed tackle, missed tackle all year long. People are now pretending like us blitzing Quay Walker. We haven't done that all year. That's BS. You can go back and watch Chalk Talks just about every week. If a big play happened, if there was a positive play, a sack, a crucial pressure, you'll hear me talking about linebacker scrapes. You'll hear me talking about dog blitzes, green dog blitzes, things like that. We've been doing it all year. The, the difference between last night, two things, and you've got to put this into perspective. Third-string quarterback, I got you, completely understand, right? But also, the way that they played coverage, You show me one play where someone blew a coverage last night. And you know how we hate the receiver catching the ball in front of our coverage? That's the reason you got the interception with Ballantyne there early in the game was because he was allowing, he was saying, okay, play within the scheme, we'll give you that little sit. To me, it looked almost like it was a, and everything happened so quickly, it looked like it was almost like a half wheel, and then he sat down underneath the zone defense. That's a zone beater, right? You're As a defense, you're saying, okay, we'll give you that. We'll give you that. But when you get inside the 20, 
we're going to pinch this thing down tight, right? And, uh, man, when you look at this defense, three points is essentially what they gave up. I know the I know the box score says 10, but when you muff a punt inside the 10-yard line, inside the five, to the best of my knowledge, um, that's the <laughs> – of course you're going to give up points there. And, again, it's why I like to lean on points per game, points per play. All those people that were clowning me on Twitter, nobody in the chat, but people on Twitter that were clowning me about, hey, where's your, where's your beautiful points per game again? Because they gave up 30 points to the Carolina Panthers, right? Well, who else gave up 30 points this week or, or right at it? I mean, you've seen some of the, the quote-unquote best defenses. The defenses that people are trying to pluck defensive coaches out of those defenses. Baltimore's at a different level, in my opinion. San Francisco's loaded with a ton of talent. Those two are kind of the upper echelon for me. But everyone who was screaming for Al Harris from Dallas, you know, look at what happened to them. Go, I, I challenge you, if you're one of those people, I challenge you, and respectfully, I'm not trying to dog on you, I challenge you to go watch the Detroit Lions' final drive there before the controversial two-point conversion play, right? They went right down the freaking field on the Dallas Cowboys. I challenge you to go back and watch Baldy's breakdowns and how people were running the ball at will on Dallas. That's just one example. And it isn't to pile on Dallas. It isn't to say Joe Barry's better than anyone else or this defense is all of a sudden magically fixed. It's the farthest thing from it. I still lean into the fact that we need a change at D.C. I feel like that. This was arguably the best performance from the defense all year long. And I'm still sitting here going, you're not getting the best out of your superstar players. But we've also got to take into consideration that those quote unquote superstar players, maybe they're not as big as superstars as we might think they are. We we kind of live in this world where it's like, nope, he's untouchable. He's untouchable. Oh, he's a, a precious first round pick. I don't know, man. I'm from the old school of I don't care where you were drafted. Yes, you want to take the best players. You want to take the best players in the first round. I get that. But it doesn't mean you hit on those every single time. But, uh, again, they had it at plus one is where the line ended. I said I felt really good about that uh, going into the game. Luckily, it hit. I did put money on it. Again, I don't come out and go, hey, guys, put money on that. I'm going to. I don't want that responsibility. Um, and, again, always gamble responsibly. But BetUS is the official sports book of Packers Total Access, and they've been America's favorite sports book for 30 years now and running. So, uh Appreciate them jumping on board with us. Now, let's kind of move on to the show here a little bit. One of the things that I wanted to hit on, and I'll probably just kill my can. There's no sense in you guys having to look at my ugly mug while we sit here and talk ball. I'm getting to the chat, I promise, guys. Um, I did want to talk about Tucker Craft because someone brought it up in the chat earlier. I'm sure I've already lost it. Someone called him a goon. There it is. Nick McSwain said, Craft uh, uh, is a goon. Tucker Craft, it's not just what he's done this year, but how he's responded like – one of the first signs of leadership or someone who's going to be a high quality employee or a high quality executive or a high quality anything and anything they're trying to do from a professional standpoint, it's not how they <clears throat> it's not how they handle failure. It's how they handle success. And some people are going, what are you talking about? If you're winning, if you've got success, things are great. They are, you know, theater, theoretically speaking. But sometimes some of the. Uh, some of the worst reactions within your business or your sport or your profession is how you handle the success. You get to what we say down here in the South, too big for your britches, right? We get, you get to the point where it's okay. I have arrived. Now I don't have to work as hard. Or not only that, maybe you get a little too cocky on the field or cocky, uh, arrogant in a, in a sales call or a conference call or something like that. Right. Um, for some reason, people think that, that other people are drawn to that type of personality. They're not. 
They're not. They're actually, it's it's people repellent. Self-edification is people repellent. You don't hear Tucker Craft going out there and going, I'm a dog. People doubted me. Told you I was going to do this. Do you? What have you heard him talk about here in, in recent, in the recent past? Was I look at the tape from earlier this year and I think, man, it's embarrassing. I wish we could just make that tape disappear because he wasn't happy with how he performed. That's how a, a young and up up and coming leader speaks. I agree, Nick. He's a he's a he's an absolute goon, man. And uh, this picture right here says it all for me. This is my favorite picture of the night. This stiff arm. This right here needs to be a profile pic. This needs to be a background pic. I'm going to make a PTA logo to it because I just love it. Look at this little corner trying to tackle Tucker Craft, man. <laughs> Absolutely awesome picture. I just want to go through a couple still shots from the game, and then we'll hear from the locker room and all the kinds of good stuff here. It's probably going to be hard to keep up with the chat, to be honest with you. I will definitely keep my eyes peeled for the Super Chats, guys. I promise I will not miss those because I know you guys like to support the channel, and we definitely appreciate you doing it. Don't feel obligated. Never feel obligated. I don't do this for money. I do this to talk ball, learn the uh, learn the game at a little bit different level, and connect with other Packer fans who are reasonable. I also do it to kind of bait in some of the trolls so I can block them, just to be honest with you. That's how I roll. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. But <laughs> every now and again, I'll put a little bait out there on Twitter just to go, there's some go there's some there's some uh some trolls out there still following me. I want to pull them right into the conversation, let them show their rear end and then block them and get them out of our life so we can move on and uh and have grown up talk as they say. But this Tucker Craft stiff arm man, my God, it is like this dude's a dog. And again, this picture doesn't mean near as much to me if we don't have that quote that we I ain't going to share it again because we shared it like 10 times last week of him talking about just wanting to be better for his teammates, wanting to be better for his coaches. He said that with the coaches, guys. He said that with the coaches right when the Jair Alexander stuff started. Do you notice that? That's not a coincidence. And listen, it isn't the pile on Jair. I hope he comes back this week and he's got a clear head and he's like, OK, I'm back. What does the team need me to do rather than we're going to run the table? I told y'all we're going to, you know what I mean? I'm the best corner. In the, I remember last year he got torched and his response was, I'm the best. I'm still the best corner in the game. It don't matter. And immediately people are like, oh yeah, that, that's the confidence you need. I disagree. I think you come out and go, Hey, look, I got my butt handed to me and I owe my teammates and my coaches a better performance than that. That's just kind of how I see it. And again, people don't have to think exactly the same, same way, but I just thought, I don't know. I like Tucker Kraft. He's, he's, to me, he's shown he's got those natural leadership uh, abilities. All the way back to him chugging beers with David Bakhtiari. <laughs> but that's a story for a different day. Doug said, Kraft walking uh, walk uh, walk booth back away from Heath and Jones in the postgame was so solid. I wish I had that clip. I didn't even think to do that, Doug. You guys go check it out on Twitter. Had a little scuffle at the end of the game. And Aaron Jones got in there, too. Aaron Jones took – I think it was a little friendly fire. Someone caught him on the cheekbone there with a punch or a slap or something. But Tucker Craft got right in there, right in there with the big boys and and just started driving them backwards. I'm telling you, man, his teammates are going to absolutely love him. I, I just – I'm so glad he's a part of this team. Kudos to Goody. I've been critical of Goody. You've heard me. Hated the Rasul Douglas trade. Hated how we handled the Aaron Rodgers thing. Listen, if you know Jordan loves the guy – then you don't give Aaron Rodgers that contract. There's no two ways about it. You're not sitting with 40, 41 million in dead cap this year, right? Um, but his draft class this year, guys, it's looking like it might be historic. Like if, if these guys continue to grow, understand people can peak early and then just you never hear from them again, right? Let's hope that's not the case. But man, 
Brenton, Indiana, thank you for the super chat, buddy. We appreciate you. He said, Watson, Wicks, and Musgrave coming back. What happens with Jair? Yeah. So with Watson, Wicks, and Musgrave, um, here's what's cool. You don't have to rush those guys back, you know? Don't – you. I think there is a little bit of that, hey, this final game of the season is the playoffs. We're, we. That's what I was going to say that Tim – the comment Tim made in my brain fog. Forgive me for that. Um I won't go into details, but anyway, we're, we're battling something behind the scenes that I'm trying to get straightened out. Uh, you might notice me on camera sometimes. I get a little, uh, uh, I don't know, a little, a little physical uh, symptom, if you will, too. The blinking, the you know, the the moving of the the face muscles and stuff. We're dealing with a little something behind the scenes, but God's God's in control of that. But uh, that's what Tim pointed out was, uh, you know, just just kind of talking about, um, you know, we talk about Watson, Wicks, Musgrave coming back. What happens with Jair Alexander? You know, it, it just depends on where their attitude is, right? Like it depends on what what role do you want to have on this on this team? And I think that's a, a very valid question. I think that's probably what Matt LaFleur and Brian Gouda can stun. And I know in the heat of the moment, people said, Oh, you know, Matt LaFleur can't handle his locker room. Goody had to step in and take care of it. That's the biggest crock of BS. Matt LaFleur went right to the podium and said, this is a decision that me and Brian made together. It still amazes me how podcasters and, and fans think, I understand what they mean more than they do. Oh, let, here, let me, I know they said this. Let me explain to you what they're actually saying. That that stuff drives me crazy, man. But anyway, appreciate you, uh, Brent in Indiana. So if the question is Watson Wicks, Musgrave coming back, um, there's no reason to rush them back. We're playing with the house's money, man. This has been a playoff game. Like Tim said, this has been a playoff game for the last three weeks. We've been in the playoffs already. And I, I don't want to say what I'm about to say. I know you guys don't want to hear it. I'm already looking at even next week with the Bears. If the Bear, if we somehow, some way lose to the Bears, those same people, those same dramatic emotional fans will come out of the woodworks talking about fire this guy, fire that. This is just another example. You got to get rid of Matt LaFleur because he can't handle the pressure of a big time game and this and that. And it's like, come on, guys. What are we? Are we that emotionally unstable as a fan base? So I wouldn't rush Watson, Wicks, and Musgrave back if they're going to hurt the team. And what I mean by that, if you can't get them at 100%, I'm of the opinion, I think a backup player in the NFL is just as good as your your starting player. You know, you hear people say, well, so-and-so at 80% is better than this player at 100%. I don't – I find myself shaking my head like, nah, I disagree with that more times than not. Um, I mean, look at it. Look at what uh, Bo Melton did last night, right? Had over 100 yards receiving. That performance doesn't happen if you try to get Watson out there with a sore hammy and him going at 75%, right? Or you try to put Wicks out there in harm's way again. Um, or Musgrave, who I think is just an absolutely awesome story. Listen, what I'm getting at is next week against the Bears, Brent, if those guys are 100% healthy, absolutely. Let's get them back on the field, baby. Let's do it. But if they're not at 100%, let's just keep rolling with what we're doing. If we lose to the Bears and don't make the playoffs, who gives a crap? I could give a rat's rear end about, you know, whether or not uh, negative fans are going to come out. Oh, yeah, the Bears, I thought y'all were legit. I thought y'all were the real deal. Uh, Flush that stuff, man. We're talking about building a team, not collecting talent, and building a team with chemistry moving forward. The way those young guys went out and fought for each other last night, I'm totally cool with marching the same people out there if those other guys aren't 100%. Now, what happens with Jair Alexander? It's going to be real simple. If I was the coach, <clears throat> this is based off what I've seen on tape. 
And you know, Matt LaFleur said it all year long, right? What has he said? All year long, he said, or not all year long, but here recently, he said, this wasn't just one thing. This was everything that kept building up, building up, building up. I think that also comes down to the tape. He was so quick, Jair was so quick to say, to take little backdoor shots at the coaches and the play calling and this and that, and I don't talk to Matt much, this and that. When it comes to Jair, you go to Jair and go, Jair, clean slate, man, you with us? Do you want to be a part of this team? Now, understand, he may take the out and go, no, I don't. That's fine. All right, cool. Well, we're going to see if we can get proper compensation for you next year. But you saying you don't want to be a part of this team and everything you did this year, we might be looking at another conduct detrimental to the to the club next year. Keep that in mind. Now, if you get enough draft collateral for 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 Jair that it it offsets from a business standpoint the three million in dead cap you're going to absorb, or however much the exact number. Someone just right now went, it's actually three point seven six or it's four point two. I don't care about all the details. Okay, just speaking kind of theoretically here. If if that cap hit that cap penalty is somewhere around three to four million then you got to make sure you're getting enough draft capital in return to kind of offset that if not then maybe somehow some way you take it before the cba and say hey look guys this is is the issue we face with we're not going to absorb this whole cap hit we need to talk about this right um it's conduct detrimental team i hope jire comes back and go hey i got a clean clean slate now guys i'm ready to roll appreciate you coach um, no hard feelings. Let's let's move forward. That would be the best case scenario. And bring us to Jair from three years ago, right? Drew D in the chat said, uh, thank you for the super chat, Drew. You're awesome, buddy. He said, I would be so angry if we fired LaFleur. The man schemes open so many wide receivers. That w- That's what we demanded after McCarthy. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. You know, when there were people bashing LaFleur's scheme, and then they were just kind of doing it globally, some some folks this year, and then I would go break down the tape, and I was bashing his scheme. Never once did you hear me say, this passing scheme's horrible. Not once. What I was always pointing out is the run scheme. They're trying to do too much, too quick, right? This young team can't handle it. And then, like I said, having a conversation with Mike Wallace said, Clayton, they can't even handle zone runs right now. Like they're not even blocking zone scheme right now. So me and what I was looking at, okay, we need to simplify things. I bounce it off a former NFL player. Hey, what are you seeing, Mike? Mike Wall says, yeah, I'm seeing they can't even block in zone scheme. All right, so the running scheme is hot garbage so far, right? This is earlier in the year. You go PFF, let's pull the analytics. PFF agrees, one of the worst run blocking offensive lines in the league although they're great at pass blocking, what did LaFleur do? He leaned into what they do well, right? You're seeing more and more 11 personnel. They came out early last night, and they went empty right off the bat. You guys remember that? So they're starting to lean into that 11 a little bit more, although they still run a good a good chunk of 12 personnel. The other thing, too, you guys remember on the pregame show, I said, hey, right off the bat, right off the bat, take your eye off the ball the very first series when the Packers have the, have the ball on offense. And – try to determine how many people they're actually rushing the quarterback with. They come up, they mug, I think, the B gap, maybe even both B gaps, the very first play of the game, and they dropped out. They only brung three. Remember us talking about the analytics going into the week? We used the 33rd team data, the SIS information to determine, okay, they bring only three rushers just about more than anybody else in the league. They also bring six-plus rushers more than almost anybody else in the league. If people are going, Clayton, how is that possible? The numbers don't add up. Yes, they do. It means they're not bringing four and five rushers. They're in the very bottom of the league in those percentages. So with that being said, take your eye off the ball, see how many they're actually rushing. Right off the bat, they were sugaring like crazy, right? They were sugaring like crazy, and then they were dropping eight into coverage, which Carly Ray, excellent job pointing that out earlier in the week here on PTA or it was Good Morning Lambo, whichever show she was on was. I think it was PTA. She said that the last time they played, uh, they dropped eight into coverage seven times, and I think Jordan Love was one for seven with an interception, if I remember correctly. Great job finding that number there, Carly. See how we're, as a fan base, we're all thinking now what, what actually matters. What are they trying to do schematically? When you look at the defensive side of the ball, I know people don't want to hear it, but that's what you see on defense. You go to Matt LaFleur's presser, and I know people think he's just defending Joe Barry. What's he saying at the presser? This is day one install stuff. Guess what Mike Wall said? That's day one install stuff. So if that's the case, is it on the coaches? Yeah, it's on the coaches. It's also on the players. So now the question becomes, can you get that out of the players? If you can't get it out of the players, it's it means one of two things. Either those players need to be off the team, or that coach needs to be gone and get a coach in here that can get that out of them, right? And that's why I'm still leaning towards – Maybe you bring in a better a better option at DC if you can get to that point, right? But uh, I don't know. I'm not going to be surprised if they keep him. I'm not going to be surprised if they let him go. And I'm damn sure not going to be on here arguing with people about whether it was the right or wrong decision. This isn't a hot take show. I don't want it to turn into a hot take show. So we're going to kind of keep it in that vein. Um, but you're exactly right, Drew. Matt Lafleur has done an excellent job scheming guys open this year. I'm going to show a play here. And it's not going to be the best vantage point. I'm going to go ahead and kill my cam, too. So if you guys uh, don't mind, I know some people like to to see the eyes of the person talking to them, but um, I'd, I'd rather just keep it off if that's cool, if that's cool with you guys. But um, let's see here. 
So this play right here, Brian Baldinger broke this down. Okay, Brian Baldinger does an excellent job breaking down tape. Let, let's first let's start with this interview. Okay, he was on NFL Network with uh, Chris Rose. Uh, love Chris Rose. I actually uh, first stumbled onto Chris Rose back uh, back in the day, back in the early two thousands. There was a show on Fox Sports called The Best Damn Sports Show. Period. It was excellent. Until like every sports show, they they try to they try to get too cute and do too much and forget what they did did well, and uh, it ended up getting canceled later on. But here he is with Brian Balding, and Brian Baldinger spent eleven years in the NFL playing offensive line. He is one of the best at breaking down the tape. That's why people like to try to dunk on him because he's one of the tape guys. I love how when other podcasters go, the tape guys will tell me this. You know what that says? Every time I hear that, I hear they're too lazy to watch the tape, so they got to try to dog on the tape, guys. But anyway, here we go. Former NFL offensive lineman Brian Baldinger talking about Jordan Love, and then we'll have him break down the touchdown throw to Jaden Reed. I do too. I, I've been saying it though, Chris. Like he's the future. You know they've they've gotten this position right. I'm not putting them in Bart Starr or Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers category yet. But he's the future. Uh, you know, and he does so many things that remind you, like this throw here to Jaden Reed. It looks like something that Aaron Rodgers would have done in an MVP season. Um, you know, this type of effort, um, just the way that he moves in the pocket. He's got all young receivers, you know, like uh, this Jaden Reed has been unbelievable second round pick, obviously, but Dontavious Wicks and Bel Bo Belton and Tucker Craft, I mean, the whole group of them, it's all young kids. This throw off his back foot, I mean, it's perfect to Bo Belton like, right there. Uh, there's so much to like about what he has done. And he's gotten to a couple sticking points this year, but they've won their last two. They're in contention right now. They're putting up big numbers offensively. And uh, and it helps to get Aaron Jones back in the lineup where he can do what he does, where, which is basically never miss a single hole every time you give him the ball. So could they be a problem? Let's say they do end up winning the game next week. Whether they end up going to Dallas or Philly or Detroit or something, are they a team that could give somebody some trouble? Give it to me in 20 seconds. I think from the standpoint where they've got nothing to lose, you know, I think they, they could give, like defensively, they have not played well, okay, in the second half of the season. And that's disappointing because they got a lot of number one picks. But I think offensively, they've got all the pieces to be able to go up and down the field on whoever they might have to go up against right now. I love it. Oh, this is probably my favorite comment. Everybody kind of talking about what Baldy's saying there in the chat. And uh, my favorite comment is uh, Tad Samato in the chat says Baldy's Blazer game is lit. He is man. He's a uh, for an old for an old white. My, my man knows how to dress. Um, <laughs> he does all right. I couldn't pull that off. There's no way. Not with this head. All right. So let's talk about one specific play. I tweeted out last night. If you guys remember, um, I tweeted out and I said uh, it was the touchdown pass down the seam to Jaden Reed. And I basically said, I don't have the tweet pulled up, and I'm paraphrasing my own tweet here. I said something along the lines of, they sugared, middle field closed, and then ended up late rotate to middle field open. They ran Tampa two, and Jordan Love just, I mean, he he attacked the base, which the base can be dangerous in Tampa two. What I mean by base, when you're playing any kind of cover two zone defense, there's three ways to attack it. You've got two, what I refer to as bunkers on the sideline. It's a way, I heard it called that, way back in the late 90s, and uh, it's something that stuck with me. Some people call it the whole shot, right? Many NFL players call it the whole shot where you're trying to hit over top of the corner, underneath the safety, along the boundary, along the sideline, and then you can attack the seam because the safeties are split, right? Middle field open, hence the name. So when you 
play a cover two. The only difference is with Tampa two, you've got a Mike linebacker that's going to cover the deep third down the seam. So if there isn't a threat down the seam from the number two or number three receiver, meaning from from the outside in, if you got a trip set, the the uh, receiver against the sideline is going to be the number one. You always go outside in, number one, inside number two, inside of him, number three. Okay, so if the two and the three doesn't attack the scene, then you can kind of attack them in the middle of the field, especially in two by sets In two by sets. Tampa, two is very, very uh, it's just to me, it's it can be very valuable. Uh, Tampa, two has kind of tapered off a little bit here of lately because defenses or offenses caught on to how how to beat it. But just wanted to kind of point that out real quick. Want to give a shout out to Badger Trio. Uh, he's been a member now for two months, he says a member of the PTA posse. If you guys want to be a member of that, just go to our YouTube homepage, click join. You can join the group. That's really, really cheap. It supports the channel. And we also give away autographed memorabilia um, every month to, uh, to listeners just to kind of give back for you guys supporting the channel. But uh, he said, love deep ball accuracy improvement is impressive. Yes, yes, yes. Badger trio. Let's look at one of the plays right here. As a matter of fact, this is that play. Um, you'll hear Baldy break it down. Then I'll mute it and play it back and show you guys this Tampa two look throw by this throw here by Jordan Love to Jaden Reed. I mean, it is an absolute dime right down the middle. Oh, what a beauty. Right into your living room. Can't throw it any better than what Jordan Love just did. I love it. Now, just real quick, right? But watch, let's watch it again here, okay? What I want you to key in on, guys, is look at the mic. And I can't, I don't have a cursor. We don't have the telestrator up. Look at the mic. Look how they're sugaring right here. You've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven that could potentially blitz, right? Your protection set. My guess is they probably said Ralph or something like that. Ralph, Ralph, what's that mean? Fan the protection right. Or they'll say Lucy, Lucy, something like that. That means fan the protection left. Everybody's got their own different code names, okay? But I want you to look for 58. I think it was number 58. He might be the guy that's farthest in the upper right of the screen right there. He's sugaring, and then he's going to take the seam in this Tampa 2 defense. Let's watch him here. I'm going to pause it as we get going, okay? So, Jordan, play action. See him bell. Look at 58 at the top center of the screen. See him bell out. He's taking the seam. He sees Jaden Reed right now. But Jordan, I almost said Aaron. I almost said Aaron because this looked like Aaron last night. Look how Jordan, he knows where he's going with the ball. Now it's just a matter of can I get it over that mock linebacker. Can I get it down the seam and attack the base in this Tampa two? Watch him turn this thing loose. You can't throw it any better. Look at that. And, and look at 58 veer off like, well, crap, nothing we can do about that. It's so true. It's so true. Because in Tampa two, you're still vulnerable down the center of the field, right? And again, Tampa two is just a cover two zone defense with a third uh, choice zone, if you will, from the Mike linebacker to cover deep down the third seam because the base, the center of the cover two zone defense is the biggest weak spot. Okay. So just to kind of explain that. So there you can, you can still attack down the seam. It's just a tighter window. You've got to have a quarterback can throw that ball nose down and get it over top of that mic and still you're, you're battling the end line there. The, uh, uh, what should I say? The, uh, the out of bounds line in the end zone. So that's probably why they called Tampa two there. They sugared, middle field close. That angle doesn't show it as much. I don't want to get hit with a copyright strike on this episode. We'll we'll break the record with copyright strikes when we do uh, Chalk Talk later this week. But they started middle field close, and the safety, uh, Jordan comes out, does his hard count like he does. And what he's doing, yeah, he's trying to get on the jump, but he's also gathering information. That safety cheated over to the left. 
and you see Jordan kind of reset, shrug his shoulders a little bit, didn't change the play to the best of my knowledge. I, I may go back to the all 22 and see it, but then the safety comes back to the middle field like, oh crap, he knows. So I gotta, I gotta convince him. I've got to sell him. I've got a sugar. That's what sugaring means. You're, you're trying to disguise a look on defense. So he sugars middle field close. No, we're middle field close. We're middle field close. Soon as the ball is snapped, late rotation, he slides deep half. Another defender, a DB, comes back deep half. The Mike linebacker, as soon as he flips his hips, you know Tampa too. The reason you know that when the backer flips his hips, there's no way he's worried about anything underneath. Once their their hips are flipped, it's almost impossible to change momentum, get squared back up, and play an underneath zone. Jordan sees it, gathers the information pre-snap. All right, middle field close. Oh, where are you going there, big boy? Okay, got it. All right, this might be middle field open. Ball snap, late rotation. Where's the mock? Hips flip, doesn't matter. Absolute dime down the scene, touchdown to Jaden Reed. Beautiful freaking play. Beautiful play. So, um, yeah, sideline report fills my pain. He said copyright strikes are a bitch. Yes, they are. Um, so that was just one of many plays, right? Chalk talk. It's going to be hard to have anything less than 35 plays this week. <laughs> so um, I'm hoping I can keep it to 10 like I, like the goal always is. It seems like we always settle in on 15 to 17, but nonetheless, we'll, uh, we'll hit it regardless. So, um, all right. That's one of many, like I said. Jordan on that throw, too, you didn't see it on that angle. Looked just like Aaron's mechanics. I know people don't want to hear it, but I, I think most fans do want to hear it. But that, the the pessimistic, right, the skeptical Packer fans don't want to hear any comparisons. You're not allowed to compare it. Can we stop comparing it? Shut up. I'll fan how I want to fan. <laughs> but the way that he threw that ball, there was no solid mechanic stepping into the throw. It was that jump, open up, twist, and throw that Aaron has made freaking famous. Um, to the best of my knowledge, I don't know another quarterback in the league that throws the ball like Aaron does until Jordan now. With When I say mechanically, I'm not saying that Jordan can throw the ball as accurate or with the velocity that Aaron is. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying to be able to get the ball down the seam and attack the base over top of the mic in a Tampa 2 defense and do it by just literally doing a quick jump a jump twist and opening your hips and a flick of the freaking wrist and it come in nose down, man, <laughs> he's, he's playing confident. I, I don't want to sound cocky, but I knew we won the game going into halftime when they interviewed Matt LaFleur and his demeanor was just, yeah, that's, that's Jordan. He's handling pressure. He handles pressure. Well, didn't crack a smile. Wasn't excited. I was like, Oh, this thing is a done deal. That's when I messaged the guys and was like, look, I know it's New Year's, but I'm going live for a post-game show if it's for 10 minutes because we're about to boat race these clowns. It's happening right now. <laughs> so um, it was just uh, absolutely awesome, man, to uh, to see them put that put that together for sure. But uh, let's do this. Let's kind of go get a vibe uh, from, from the locker room last night, and then we'll hear Matt LaFleur and what he had to say to Larry McCarron. I'll check the chat one more time as well. This was the scene in the Packers locker room in Minneapolis last night. All those people that said Jair Alexander was protesting, Devondre Campbell was protesting the coaches. It's been confirmed now Devondre Campbell was talking about the fans on Twitter, not the coaching staff. I know people tried to create that narrative that they hated the coaches. I, you could squash that within 30 minutes of it happening when Devondre Campbell came out on social media and said, Matt LaFleur is my guy. I, I, I go to battle for him anytime. Then Joe Barry comes out and says, Devondre Campbell has a thousand percent of my support. He's an absolute leader in this locker room. That's when I was like, okay, he's not mad at the coaches. 
He's mad at the fans, the toxic fans on Twitter that attack him and his wife pretty much on a daily basis on anything they tweet. That's who he's talking about. And then Larry McCarron last week in one of their quick videos said, basically, players are fed up with social media is essentially what he said. And they asked Quay about it. And Quay said, that's why I'm off of Twitter. Remember, you know why Quay Walker left Twitter? was because last year when he got that bad penalty there in the a, in a final game of the season, remember he's walking off Lambeau Field? He got death threats on Twitter. Absolute just toxicity across the board. That's why Devondre Campbell said what he said in his tweet, because he's tired of going out there and playing hurt just for people to roast him. It ain't worth it. Don't blame him. Maybe he should do what Quay did and just get off Twitter, because you can't fix those people. Believe me, I've tried to reason with them. It's impossible. So – I say that because those same people that were trying to feed that narrative that oh, this is the co- they're 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 going to lose a great player because they're just going to blame it on the players and it's really the coach's fault. They're going to blame it on the players. And it's really the coach's fault. Trying to create that division, right? And it was Jires protesting, and and you're going to see it in the locker room, right? Here's the locker room last night. Hey, all I gotta say, man, we came with a purpose tonight. <laughs> And it wasn't for one. It wasn't for one quarter. That was four quarters. Give it up for yourself. But understand this. Understand this. It just gives us another week to advance. We had a lot of guys get banged up tonight. You got to take care of yourself, man. You got to take care of yourself and get your mind ready and your body ready for a, for a battle in our house on Sunday. All right, with everything in front of us, we hold the. Hey, a lot of great performances tonight. First of all, give it up for Aaron Jones with 120. Give it up for Jay Love, 24 of 15. Off the offensive line. Family on three, one, two, three, family. Yeah, they've lost the locker room, and these players are rebelling, and everybody's just trying to blame the players when they should be blaming the coaches, and the coaches are letting the players take the rap and all that BS just cracks me up, man. Stop listening to them, guys. Stop listening to them. <laughs> find, find, the, find the fans that don't react in emotion all the time, you know what I mean, and don't call for everybody's job and, and all that jazz. Find those guys and, and lift them up. Man. There's plenty of them out there. I try to quote tweet them and say, hey, go give these guys a follow when I find them because um, just, uh, I don't know, man, it's it's a tough look on the fan base. I hate it. I hate the way it looks on the fan base. Let's go to the chat here real quick. I know many people commenting on this, uh, this very topic here. Let's see here. Doug says, I can't imagine what Joe Barry got this year. It was ugly, I'm sure, um, especially in a small place like Green Bay, which, you know what's crazy? I will say this, Doug. You may live in Green Bay, Doug. I don't. Obviously, I don't. But I try to spend as much time up there as I can. Um, I got a private tour of Lambeau this year. First time I've ever done that. I kind of had got some strings pulled and had uh, two of the oldest 
tour guides. This one guy that was in the house for Don Chandler's quote unquote field go. I think it was back in the, I can't remember what year it was in the late sixties. He was in the house for that kick. Right. And, uh, Long story short, the kick was the kick looked very suspect because the cross the uh, the uprights were way shorter back then, um, and it was ruled a field goal for the Packers. So it was just a big controversy. I think that was against the Baltimore Colts, if I remember. Anyway, he was at that game. I got to sit down with him on a private tour. He was just absolutely awesome. Hope his wife's doing well. She was battling cancer when we were up there. Just a just a freaking legend of a man, though. He knew everything about the Packers. He made a couple comments. And I made a couple of comments. I'll never forget it. He said, hey, let's go over here and sit down and have a chat. And we sat down on the upper level of Lambeau Field and had a conversation for about 45 minutes. And they took the tour way over time for us to do that. And we just talked about the history of the Packers. One of the top three, maybe the top moment of me being at Lambeau in my entire life. Just a phenomenal man. But one of the things he said you know, I say that because, Doug, you said I can't imagine what Joe Barry got this year. And you think, OK, hopefully he's not catching hell around around town because it's a small town. He we had a conversation about Aaron Rodgers. It's a lifelong Packer fan. Old school, too. You know, this is the definition of a boomer. This dude's probably in his 70s. Right. He had to be. However old he was, I mean, he looked great for his health, for his age, I'm sure, because seeing that he was at that game and he was employed by the Packers. But um, he said something along the lines of, yeah, it's like Aaron Rodgers. He said, you know. You don't get a lot of hate from him around here. It's just the national fans. That's what he said. He said it's people that actually don't live here because people that live here know what he's done for the community and they know all the charitable work and all the stuff he's done meeting with sick kids in hospitals and things like that and just being a, a great guy that he doesn't go out and go, hey, guys, look at me. I did this. He said it's amazing how quick those nation, that national fan base will turn on someone like that. That's what he said. And that's when it hit me like, okay. It's not as bad as the mainstream national sports media is making it out to be, but also it's not as bad as us disconnected fans. I say us because I'm one. It's usually that that real putrid, that that just total toxicity comes from the fans at a distance. They're not actually there in town. So, Doug, I, I like to imagine he didn't catch a lot of – listen, you can be the worst at your job. That doesn't mean people should disrespect you. That's just stupid. And the thing that cracked me up about Devondre Campbell was – there ain't nobody saying any of that stuff to his face that they're saying on Twitter about him and his wife, right? Same thing about Christian Watson and his family. Same thing. Went through it there, too. He come back, bought out for two games. Everybody shut the heck up. And then all of a sudden, it's back that he's made he's made a glass. It's like, you would never say that to that man's face. Never. Anyway, Doug also said, I'm actually surprised Joe Barry hasn't been physically confronted. People are just, quote, off these days. Again, like I just said, Doug, I think that, that uh, it's uh, – it looks worse than it actually is on social media. You know, Nick McSwain said LaFleur lost the locker room. They just don't play for him. I know you're being sarcastic, Nick. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? How how a win changes that that narrative. Badger Trio, yeah, they really turned on him. Get out of here. <laughs> so it's just cool to see that locker room kind of come together. I didn't read this in advance. Hopefully it's nothing inappropriate, but it's a long, a long message here. Let's see what they said. Tim in the chat says Devondre was vague with his statements, and I can't disagree with the frustration of fans that are absurd. Um, they also get paid a boatload of money to play the game they hopefully love. Yeah, uh, there was there's a lot in there, Tim. The hopefully, like if if that's a comment about me, if I'm putting myself in Devondre Campbell's shoes, I'm going hopefully. I'm running around on here uh, two flat tires with these ankles, put my my body on the line every day, 
trying to make as much as I can for my family and put ourselves in a position that this I may end up like a, you know, I don't want to name a name, but, you know, one of the players in the past who, you know, a Nick Collins, who in the blink of an eye, it's all taken away from you with a neck injury or a Jermichael Finley or a, God forbid, you know, one of the players that's that's been paralyzed. So I just don't subscribe to that, man. I respectfully disagree. If that's your stance, I, I may be reading into that wrong, but if it's, well, you get paid enough money, shut up. You need to love this game. You need to come on. Like, I think they do love the game. You don't put that much time into not loving the game. There have been some people come in the league and later said, look, it wasn't my, this wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, I just knew that, hey, I was good enough to, to play it for a few years, make some money and get out. I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I would love for every player on my favorite team to just eat, sleep, and just live every second with football being the center point. But, you know, who are we to tell another grown man that's how you should live your life, right? We're fans, right, is what it is. Doug said, Clayton, that experience had to be so cool. Maybe my retirement goal is to go uh, – is to be a Lambeau Tour guy. Uh, you know, he had mentioned that to me. Do you live in the area? You know, you should come down here and chat with us something like – because I was, I, I do, I'm, listen, I shouldn't know as much as I do about the Packers, but I'm just a, I'm a geek. I'm a nerd like Mandy. So I'm a stick in the mud. <laughs> this is, I live for this stuff, man. This has brought me so much joy over the years. Even the down years has brought me joy. Um, I just love this sport, love this team, love the fan base. And uh, that's why it's important to weed out the bad ones. Um, as I, I seen you earlier, Drew, say you were cracking up that, uh, that I was drawing in the, uh, the, the trolls just to block them, but that's the game I like to play, man. Drew D says in the chat right here, look at what happened to McDuffie last night. That was scary. I hope he's okay. Perfect example, Drew. Perfect example. It doesn't mean you can't be critical. Our motto on this show, I know you guys get tired of hearing it and you roll your eyes. Sometimes I get tired of saying it, but if you see it, you got to say it. If it's on the tape, hey, this guy screwed up. This guy screwed up. This guy did great. That's a blown coverage. That's a missed tackle. We've said it all year long. That's an inaccurate pass. That's not on the receiver. We said it about love. We've talked about the drops with the receivers, especially last year. I was pointing it out last year, and it was you're just an Aaron Rodgers apologist. No, they're leading the league in drops there, Hosscat. That's not something I made up on my own, right? But if you see it, you got to say it. That doesn't mean you got to be disrespectful, right? And uh, it darn sure doesn't mean you got to question someone's quote-unquote love for the game, like you said, Drew, especially with someone, what happened last night, you know. Very, very scary, very scary. Um, let's see here what else we got. Andy Monday in the chat says that the Packers do end up replacing Barry. Either we'll get someone who else, someone else who runs his scheme, or we fans need to be ready for a few rocky seasons trying to be a good, a good at a new scheme, I should say. Um, yeah, that's the thing too, Andy. Um, this isn't the scheme he was brought in to run. You know, seen a lot of zone match last year. You seen zone match early this year. And those toxic fans were screaming the whole time, we want man coverage, we want man coverage. We went man heavy last week. What the heck happened, right? Last night looked a little more like the Barry Fangio scheme. I seen a little more on the shelf from the TV copy. Sometimes I go back and watch the All-22 and go, oh, nope, that's I remember that wrong. They were sugaring more than I noticed because as much as I say take your eye off the ball, guys, it's almost impossible for me to take my eye off the ball. <laughs> you got to really train your eye to watch the, the game in a different way. But um, I think you're spot on there, Andy. It's not just going to get fixed. You know, isn't it funny? People say, well, look at look look at what Flores did. Look at what uh, Flores did in, in Minnesota. We have heard that all year long. We could have fixed this defense by getting someone like Flores. What happened last night? When we broke down the numbers, you didn't see a dominant defense, did you? You didn't see a dominant. You know, he likes to run a lot of, a lot of zero-man blitzes, 
right? Guess what the tape or guess what the numbers show? The analytics from the 33rd team. He he runs he runs just as much, he actually runs more zone than man. You know why? He doesn't have the dogs to run that scheme. And by the way, he did have his quote unquote dogs to run that scheme in Miami and he got fired. That's like Robert Sala. Everybody's like, Robert Sala coming here and fix this in a heartbeat. Really? Give up 64 points to the Dolphins this year. Well, that's the Dolphins, their powerhouse. He gave up 34 points to the, to the Browns the other night. And when I point that out, this is weird energy, Clayton. No, it ain't. It's being honest. When was the last time Joe Barry gave up 30? I think it was 34 points, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, y'all. Cross-check that if you're worried about it being inaccurate. When was the last time Joe Barry gave up 34 points? I'll wait. He gave up 30, and everybody was ready to hang him at the stake, burn him at the stake, right? It's like, what are we, you know, again, I think it would be better to move on if there's a better option, but I've said it all year long. That goes for any position, any coach, any way you can improve an organization, and there's not a huge penalty attached, i.e. $41 million in cap penalty for giving someone a three-year extension and not not knowing that, okay, they're going to be here for three years. There's, when you make decisions like that, it, you, you've got to make sure, okay, there's a responsible approach here about it hindering the future of, of the team. If Matt LaFleur looks up and goes, okay, minus these three games this season, right? It's a, it, There's still people trying to dunk on Joe Barry about his comment last week saying that they only played, you know, they played good for 53 minutes. If you, if you, I guarantee you the people that say that did not watch the damn tape. They didn't take the time to watch the tape. They just turned on the microphone. They wanted to complain. That's all it was. Because if you go watch the tape, you'd only given up 16 points to that point in the game, and you got them in a third and 12 ready to force their punt. But what happened? Mr. Hero, Mr. Captain, uh, self-appointed captain, Jair Alexander, decided to play 10 yards off the ball. Well, that's Joe Barry saying to do that. Somebody commented that on the tweet. I was like, you. I didn't even respond. I was just like, so you're telling me Joe Barry said, Keyshawn Nixon, I want you to play two yards off your receiver. Eric Stokes, I want you to play seven yards off your receiver. Jair, I want you to play 10 yards off your receiver. I was, I was just dumbfounded. I was just like, what in the world are we talking about? It doesn't make Joe Barry a great coach. I'm simply pointing out here is what's happening on the field. Now, will another coach come in here and fix that? If you can get an upgrade, get the upgrade. That goes for everyone. Across the board, I don't care who it is in the organization. If you can find somebody to clean the toilets better at, at the Lambeau Field Atrium, bring them in too. That's from a business standpoint, you should look at everything like that, every eval like that. But like Andy points out here, that's a good point. Grass ain't always greener on the other side. You're going to turn right around and think, you know, what happened with Dom Capers? We won a Super Bowl with Dom Capers, right? Then his defense gets old. Let's get him out of here. We'll get somebody to fix it. Mike Patton comes in. Didn't fix it, did it? had one decent year, and then it went right back to the crapper, right? You bring in Joe Barry. He had one decent year, went right back to the crapper, right? You're seeing this, this constant trend, right? If you really follow the game and you study the, the numbers from year to year, what you'll find is it's extremely rare that a defense sustains success consistently year after year after year. That's why the great defenses that have done it that's where you want to pluck the next candidate from. Someone like a Baltimore, someone maybe like a Pittsburgh who's done it for a long time. Maybe not this year. I haven't deep deep dive on the, on Pittsburgh. And the reason I haven't looked too far into the coordinators yet and the potential replacement for Joe Barry, if indeed they do to let him go, is because they may not let him go. And now we've wasted podcast airtime, right? And 
in man hours combing through the tape of those teams, and we didn't even make a change. It's another reason why I don't dig too much into prospects um, before the draft as far as content goes, because they may not even be on the team. It's just like this little fairy tale land that I don't want to enter, right? Once the draft's once the draft's completed, guess what I do? Bam! Chalk talk on Lucas Van Ness. Chalk talk on Luke Musgrave. Chalk talk on Tucker Craft. Those are the type of things we do. So um, I don't think I did one on Tucker. I definitely did one on Luke Musgrave because we were limited on time. But anyway, I think it's a great point, Andy. Appreciate you hopping in here, buddy. Uh, let's see here. What else we got in the chat? Um, there, right here. Boom. Omer says Quay himself said he loved the game Barry called last night. Um, yeah. You know, and I seen I seen Andy Herman last night too. Andy Herman tweeted out immediately after the muff punt. I almost tweeted somehow that'll get blamed on Joe Barry. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. I've I blocked enough trolls the last few days. We've done our job. We'll let it cool down a bit. <laughs> but Andy tweeted that out. Sure enough, in the comments, bam, 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 bam. You're just trying to create create a buzz around your content. And you just want a hot take and this and that. We all know Joe Barry's trash. And I was just like, oh my god, Andy, you stepped in it, bub. <laughs> But he knows what he's doing. He's way more seasoned at this than I am. Uh, but yeah, Quay said he loved the. You won't hear that from the haters, right? Or maybe you will, and they'll say get rid of get rid of Quay too. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, let's see what Drew says here in the chat. Drew says Drew D says Joe Witt Jr. used to be the corners cornerback coach for the Packers, and now coaches for the Cowboys. He could be interesting, um, but might be a little inexperienced since he was never DC. Yeah, the way I see the next DC, if you do decide to go that route and get someone else in here is you want someone who's been a passing game coordinator. That's what you're looking for. That's the key, in my opinion. Passing game coordinator to come in and be your D.C. because he has been second in command to the D.C. Um, as the passing game coordinator. The person who's been with Baltimore, like I said, I think it was Chris Hewitt, I think was the name that I stumbled across. He's the one that piques my interest the most. Um, but, again, it's early. It's very, very early. And every defense has a positive, a positive, and a negative, right? Like, people forget that. Yes, you can take the running game away, but it's going to make you very vulnerable in the passing game. Yes, you can take the passing game away, i.e., shell coverage, try to play top down, puts a little more stress on your safeties trying to fit that run gap or that, you know, that run fit, but they can now run the ball on you. There's give and take. There's no perfect defense. And if there is a perfect defense, it might last one or two years before the league catches on. And that's why it's very rare that you see so many people or so many defenses stay good. So, you know, when I say good, I mean like top five defense every single year. It's rare that happens. Typically, there'll be a top five defense like two years, then they'll drop out of the top 10, then the next year they'll be back. And then, the, you know, it's because the league is very cyclical. Those concepts, just like on the offensive side of the ball and defense, is the same thing, man. Same thing. Uh, it, it, it comes and goes for sure. Um, let's see right here. Jen Wright, Andy, Andy Herman's captain meme was funny as hell. I don't, I don't know if it's the same one. He did one um, where it was a uh, Jair Alexander coming from the Raptors and it was actually sting from back in the day. You know, the, the crow sting from the WCW days or whatever it was. <laughs> that might be the one you're talking about. Andy, Andy comes up with the, just the, the wittiest stuff in the moment, man. There's no doubt about it. Um, let's see what Marco Day said. And we got to wrap this thing up. Marco Day says, I believe Barry should go uh, as a fresh start. That should be made. Uh, we have to face the fact that Barry is simply too inconsistent. The defense has been so bipolar, it cannot be counted on. I think it's a fair statement, but you want to dig deeper and go, what's been inconsistent? When you say Joe Barry's been inconsistent, I always say either what or why. Why has he been inconsistent? And typically the next question is one of two things. 
I mean, just look how inconsistent our defense is. Right. But why is it inconsistent? Well, we play too soft. Okay. Why are we playing too soft? Quote unquote soft. Not everybody's playing soft. Jair was playing soft on that third and 12 play, but not everybody. Why was he playing soft? Because he chose to play soft. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck or like a little kid. Why, why, why? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You got to ask yourself these things, man. Why? Why did it happen? Okay. When you get down to the answer of this is why it happened, 99% of the time it still falls on the coach, right? Like, okay, well, he needs to coach him up there. If he's not going to line up where he tells him to line up, you need to get him off the field. Completely agree. Kind of feels like they did that with Jire. It's not the only thing, right? But when Matt LaFleur said that, you know, the coin toss thing, the captain thing wasn't the only thing that made that decision, right? I think there's stuff like that behind the scenes as well. So, um, because it's all over the tape, it's all over the tape. So, um, Appreciate it, Omer. Appreciate that, buddy. All right, we're going to get out of here first. Let's let's hear what Larry McCarron and uh, Matt LaFleur talked about outside of the locker room. I love Larry McCarron. Got the utmost respect for him, man. He's just absolutely awesome. This is him interviewing Matt LaFleur outside of the locker room after that big win. Let's see what the coach had to say. Happy New Year. What do you think of this football team? Oh, I thought it was a great team performance. Uh, really an happy phase. I know we had the – the one mistake at the end of the game um, that, that hurt us and obviously led to a touchdown. But I thought all in all for four quarters, we had a complete control of the game and, and really every phase. I was really proud of our guys, but we also recognize what's in front of us. And it doesn't mean anything unless we take care of business next week against a team that's obviously much improved from when we played in week one. Let's see, 470 yards worth of offense, 177 on the ground complimentary football. I mean, this one had everything. Yeah, I thought, first of all, uh, I thought our O-line really did a good job in every phase, just coming off the ball, uh, being able to run the ball uh, in pass protection, facing all the pressure. I thought Jordan did an outstanding job retreating when he needed to and getting rid of the football. And um, guys were making plays. Guys like Jaden Reed go in there and, and has two touchdowns. Bo Melton came to play obviously anytime you get the ball to Aaron Jones he's pretty dynamic and um, you know I can't I can't say enough about the the group Tucker Kraft had a had a pretty good game uh, all those guys defensively it seemed like pressure really helped you allowed just 10 points yeah I thought our defense was flying around making plays uh, it was it was big time performance by both Corey Valentine uh, and, and Carrington Valentine. So CB and CB did a great job. I thought Joe had an outstanding plan. And, you know, it's it's been rough around here the last couple of weeks in, in terms of just all the scrutiny. But that comes with it. But I was really proud of how resilient our group stayed and sticking together and, and going out there and executing at a high level. What was really impressive was the complimentary football. You get a turnover, turn it into a touchdown. Then at the start of the second half, they went on a drive, you stopped them short, and then you took it on a long drive and pretty much ate up the third quarter, took it in for a touchdown, and basically it was over. You can't think that way, but you did it with complimentary football. Yeah, it was, it was big time. To get that stop there and then to you know flip the script and take it all the way down and score, and um, like you mentioned, just ate up the entire third quarter there on, on two possessions. Beating a rival like this, good training for the next rival game you got coming up next week at 325 on Sunday at Lambeau Field against the dreaded rival Chicago Bears. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, that game obviously means 
a lot to so many, and obviously the the implications that it has this week, um, you know, with the with the chance to go into the playoffs. And um, you know, we were in the situation a year ago and didn't didn't perform to the level that I thought we were capable of. But uh, we know we got a great challenge in front of us. They're, they'd love nothing more than to ruin our season, and um, both teams, I'm sure, are going to give their best and, and be ready to play. The journey you took to get here. Does it make it all the sweeter now? Uh, it only makes it sweet if we can finish the job. And we, we got a lot to uh, obviously play for, and we, we got to get prepared, and guys got to get healthy and um, put in a great week of preparation because I really think that, you know, that, that is the key is you got you to have the preparation first and foremost, and then that allows you to go out there and play confidently. And, and um, so we'll, we'll get back to work starting tomorrow. There you go. No days off. No days off, man. You love it. All right, we're going to finish up in the chat here really, really quick. <clears throat> Mike Witt said they uh, – well, actually, let me just put it up on the screen for you guys. Uh, they won last night because of Vikings quarterback situation. We'll see how he calls the defense versus Fields Sunday. Justin Fields is playing way better too, Mike. Um, that that Bears team as a whole has played a lot better, right? So uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. You're right. Let's see how he calls that game because they were. Their, their quarterback room was in shambles, right? But I also like to point out, look at what his defense did to the Lions and Jared Goff, who at the time was an MVP candidate. That's one of the games that kind of took him out of the MVP race, or at least the talk. I don't think anybody really thought he was going to win the MVP, but, you know, people, there was whispers of that, right? Um, it was that performance against our defense on Thanksgiving Day, right? Tell you another one, Patrick Mahomes. And immediately people go, well, but, well, but, not that you are, Mike, but they'll go, well, but. Patrick Mahomes isn't having a great game, a great year. Okay, so now it only counts if we're playing a quarterback. Forget his past status. He's got to be having a great year in the moment right now before we can say that was a good defensive performance, right? Again, Mike, I know you're not saying that. I'm just kind of speaking out of, out loud here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like Or thinking out loud, I should say. So um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think you're right, though. Justin Fields is a much better quarterback than any of the three on the that are active on the Vikings roster. Omer says, that finger freaks me out, especially when he starts waving that hand around. Completely with you, Omer. Makes me want to throw up on my shoes. It just looks like it hurts, right? It looks like it hurts. <laughs> and talking about Larry McCarron's finger, by the way. Some people are like, what y'all talking about? Uh, Doug says, Jones looked fresh, uh, fresh and fast last night. Really had his legs under him. Completely agree, man. He looked like the old Jonesy, and you love to see it. Uh, like I said, I think he'll be back next year. I think he'll be back with a, a restructured contract once again, and he'll still be one of the highest-paid running backs in the league, but will be much cheaper than that, whatever it is, what, $17 million cap hit they're showing right now. He won't play under $17 million. Just like Bakhtiari's not going to play under the $40 million cap hit. It'll either be adjusted or he won't be here, right? So um, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that stuff in the offseason for sure. Doug Pointer says, Head company, so I didn't get to see wall to wall of the game, but Owens looked good last night. I don't remember anything about Owens, Doug, but I will say this when you don't hear the safety's name much, probably means they had a pretty good game, right? It means he wasn't getting cooked. So, uh, of course, I don't think anybody got cooked when you only give up three points to a, to an NFL team there. Of course, it's 10 with the, after the muff punt, but. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think anybody really got cooked. Doug says, Clayton, do you think Savage brings a quarterback type of persona to the secondary that doesn't show in the box score? Read that on X and thought I'd ask you. You know, there's no way of knowing without being in the locker room, Doug, or being in the meeting rooms. I do know this. <clears throat> money, money speaks volumes, right? 
they were willing to give him seven point nine million. I think it was seven point nine was the final number, if I remember correctly, with that fifth year option. They were willing to pay him seven point nine million. We look at his play on the field; it doesn't feel like seven point nine million worth, right? PFF graded him out as one of the worst safeties last year. You turn on the tape, you see the missed tackles, you've seen the blown coverages. Not all the time, right? Um, he has played well here of lately. I'm eager to see the PFF grades, which we'll share tonight on uh, PTA Live. But I do know this. When you see him in the background in the locker rooms and stuff, it seems like his teammates love him, him being savage. So there's got to be something there. You know, it could be like one of these, you know, like Belichick always had people on his team that weren't huge contributors. But if you just kind of the, uh, one of those glue guys in the locker room, you never hear Savage speaking out and lashing out, do you? You never hear him making excuses. You never heard Savage say, I'm the best safety in the, in the league or saying they should put me on offense. Or I guess we got to hold I guess we got to hold uh, teams to, to zero points with the way their offense is playing right now. Those are all things that Jair said this year. People forget about that. That stuff's been brewing for a long time. He's been running his mouth and being a bad teammate all year long. So. You don't hear that with Savage, do you? Now, it doesn't matter how uh, how friendly you are, how loved you are in the locker room. If you can't play football, you're probably not going to have a job, right? It's why I'm talking on a mock and not playing <laughs> playing in the NFL. That and because I'm I'm a I'm a slow, fat Caucasian that has zero athletic ability whatsoever at the age of forty. <laughs> Wouldn't have had it at twenty five, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, so it could be that could be the case, Doug. It could, man. Good. Uh, let's see here. G Gen GB says the biggest indictments of this defense are selfish play, poor communication, and underachievement. Clean house on defensive coaches. It's hard to argue with that, man. I mean, have we seen selfish play? Absolutely. Have we seen poor communication? Holy cow, all over the place. Have we seen people underachieve, i.e., their first round picks? Yep. It definitely it doesn't say it's the coach's fault, but it darn sure doesn't look good on the coaches either, right? Um, I think there's enough blame to go around. I think it's on the players and the coaches. I think you had a little bit of a locker room issue there when you traded Russell Douglas. That's just my take. Um, I don't care what the win-loss record was when they traded him. He was grading out as as one of, if not your highest defensive player. I believe he was the highest, the second highest defensive uh, graded player, according to PFF, only behind Rashawn Gary at the moment. So, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, you know, I know there's many people saying we traded the wrong guy. I don't want to go all in on Jair like that. Uh, I, I want to see him turn it around. I think everybody deserves second chances. I love what Matt said. It's a learning experience for all of us. My guess is when they sat down, Matt said, hey, look, I didn't address this soon enough, Jair. This is on me too. So we got to suspend you for a game, but this is on me too. And Goody probably accept, accepted responsibility for a young roster and all those things across the board. Let's just come out with a clean slate. I hope they can do that, man, because Jair's fun to watch when Jair's – uh, being Jair and not being the the diva, right? He's always been fun. He's always been very energetic and goofy, right? I love that about him. I respect the hell out of people who are comfortable being themselves and not trying to feel like they have to be something that they're not. But you got to put the team first, man. You got to. Mike Witt says in the chat, if we win next week, we most likely play at Big Mike in Dallas. He's referring to in the first round. Going to be fun, Clayton. It sure is, buddy. Um, let's take care of the Bears, right? And here's the, again, I'm going to say it again. If you lose to the Bears, it's not the end of the world. You've been playing, you've been playing with the house's money all year long. We have on this show, we have. Some people are going, no, you haven't. I'm telling you, some people set unrealistic expectations on this team. And some people, even worse than that, 
came out, set an unrealistic expectation. Or no, some people set the bar really low, and then they won the first two games like, oh, yeah, we're back, baby, we're back. Then they hit the slump, and they go, oh, this team's horrible. And then they bounce back again. Oh, they're back again. Like, it was just an emotional roller coaster. And the whole time, overreacting and just calling for jobs, calling for jobs, cut this player, fire that player. It just it's mind-boggling. It really is. Um, all right, let's see here. One last comment. Doug says, thanks, Clayton. I, I resemble the, quote, fat, slow Caucasian comment. LOL, appreciate your great programming here. Happy 2024. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, there's, that is 100% factual about my lack of physical ability. There's no doubt about it, man. So um, right here, Doug going, or Drew, Drew D in the chat going to end it on a sad note. He said, Rasul Douglas is now fourth in the NFL in INTs. Couldn't tell you how many people said, I don't care about PFF. He's not that good. He's not worth it. We got a third round pick. He's not okay. Is it is it worth it to have the fourth most interceptions <laughs> in the league? And what are we talking about? And it won us the game last night. Turnover differential, right? Turnover differential, being in the ballpark there, controlling the middle eight, and uh and making sure you're keeping your team in an advantageous situation. So all right, guys, I can sit here and chat with y'all all day long. I get going. I got family downstairs, and we went an hour and 13 minutes with no co-host. Man, again, it would have never happened. It would have been a 30-minute episode if you guys hadn't been in here um, in the chat hanging out with me. So I really appreciate y'all taking the time on this holiday to uh, celebrate this Victory Monday with us. I want to give a special shout-out to Brent in Indiana, Drew D., and uh, for your super chats, you guys are awesome. Thank you for supporting the stream. Badger Trio, congratulations on being a member of the PTA Posse for two months now. Looking forward to giving away the next piece of memorabilia for sure. But uh, really appreciate y'all hanging out with us. We'll be back tonight for PTA Live, Packers Total Access Live, where we'll break down the PFF grades. And we'll hit on a couple other things that I actually didn't get to. I know we, uh, we kind of hit on it there at the end a little bit with the playoff picture. We'll kind of get an update on that. Just a quick glimpse as we go out of here. This is what it looks like right now, according to CBS. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers have the one seed in the first round by as it sits right now. Again, you got to you got to win next week against Chicago or this doesn't even apply. Um, you got Green Bay at Dallas, the seven seed versus the two seed. Then you'll have the Rams, the six seed at the Detroit Lions, the third seed. Then you got the five seed Philadelphia Eagles at the number four seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's how the NFC playoff picture looks right now. We'll see if it holds up. We'll hit on it again tonight, like I said, during PTA when we hit the uh when we hit all of the um the pff grades and all that good stuff so all right guys we're out of here really appreciate y'all making us a part of your day for those of you listening on the pod thank you for making us a part of your day as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world go pack go